So this afternoon we'll continue the exploration, development of this beautiful quality of the heart of mudita. And in these afternoon sessions we're exploring, we will by the end of the retreat, explore all of the four Brahma-viharas, these divine abidings, beautiful qualities of the heart that the, the Buddha encouraged us to cultivate. But doing it in this way with kind of a, in a systematic, time-bound fashion, it can feel a bit like, I don't know, there was a movie, if it's Friday, it must be Mudita, you know, that we're moving along here in a rather uh, fairly rapid pace. And in an ideal scenario, we would have all the time in the world to take with each of these qualities and with each of the categories within the qualities so the heart really was able to establish and land uh, in, in this uh, way of being, these modes of being. But we don't have that time. So we just feel it's important enough for you to get a taste of each of these and to see how you can skillfully weave them into your practice, how they can be supports for you, how they can be challenging for you, certainly, um, but how they really steady the heart. And there's kind of a, almost a musical tone here, right? With metta, there's a sort of the richness. Um, it's got a lot of nuance to it of just the well-wishing, really flexible. And then there's a little the somberness of, of the compassion. It, it has a beauty to it, but there's definitely uh, a sense of the poignancy and opening to the suffering. And then, of course, mudita is very happy and joyful and there's a lightness to it. But then we steady with the equanimity. I actually meant to look up, what is it, um, Close Encounters? There's that aircraft and it goes, do, 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 you know. I was going to figure that out. I didn't do it. But, you know, it's sort of like that. Do, 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 do. This is good. You can let that one go. That's out of left field. I don't know why. We brought that in. But I was just pointing to the way it holds us. These practices hold us. They tenderize our hearts. They make us more available. And we learn to trust, trust, landing in the present moment with this open but steady, resilient kind of heart. This is what these practices do for us in all the different ways they massage and and, uh, challenge us. So I might repeat some of what uh, Bonnie said yesterday, but just to talk about this quality of mudita. And I love that it's one of the Brahma-viharas, that it's considered so central, this quality of joy and happiness, so central to the path that it's named as one of the Brahma-viharas. We hear so much about dukkha, so much about suffering, but to really find the the right place uh, for joy in, in our path and in our practice, so important. Usually this word mudita <coughs> is translated as sympathetic or empathetic joy, joy in the happiness of others. And we always use this line, as the Dalai Lama says, if you can cultivate this quality, your chances of happiness go up six billion to one. For every person out there, if anyone's got any joy and it resonates with you, you have that little hit. We like to expand it to include also joy in our own well-being and happiness, which is really gratitude that Aaron spoke about so beautifully last night. It's such a beautiful quality of the heart that we'll often call it the fifth Brahma Vihara 
because in that sense of gratitude, there's really this deep sense of contentment, not moving into grasping or aversion, um, a sense of balance and ease in the mind. So mudita for self really manifests as, as gratitude, as appreciation of our own blessings. So we explore all of this um, when we do this practice. It's also considered, actually, the most difficult Brahma-vihara to cultivate. Interesting, joy, because it seems like great joy. But because of the tendency of mind to equate this quality of well-being, joy, happiness to a pie. And if you have more, I get less. And it's amazing to see how easily the mind goes to that. And it can just push an edge we perhaps didn't realize was there, of a sense of limitation, of comparing, and, uh, you know, what the far enemy is of envy or jealousy, this sense of limitation. True joy is expansive and limitless, doesn't have slices. Um, The near enemy, of course, being exuberance, is usually excitement, in and of itself, not a bad thing. It's not like these, uh, this, particularly, particularly in this case, some of the other near enemies really are a distortion. But why exuberance is considered a near enemy is because it actually blocks our capacity to really land in the joy and feel it. The mind is usually busy thinking, fantasizing, trying to get more, strategizing. So it's not a fullness of presence. I just found this quote a little while ago. Um, it was a, it's from the New Yorker, and it was a, a man, Hilton Owls, commenting on Shakespeare, who is really the master of uh, traversing the terrain of the heart. But he starts with a quote from Zadie Smith, who's this uh, Jamaican-English author, very bright spirit, wise and deep. But she wrote a whole essay called Joy. And this is first a quote from her and then him commenting on it. She says, If you asked me if I wanted more joyful experiences in my life, I wouldn't be at all sure I did, exactly because it proves such a difficult emotion to manage. It's not at all obvious to me how we should make an accommodation between joy and the rest of our everyday lives. That's the end of her quote. And then, Hilton Al says, I think I know what she means, because after joy flares up and inevitably dies, what are you left looking at through the smeared window of the everyday? The same old predictability, the grocer putting out his wares again, the children off to school, your usual self. As Shakespeare wrote, where joy most revels, revels, grief doth most lament. Grief joys... Joy grieves on slender accident. More than most artists, Shakespeare spoke of the mystery of joy by articulating its questions. Where does it come from? How is it generated? And why must it leave us, change, disappear? So I, why I, I brought this, that little section to you is because I think Certainly what Zadie was talking about, perhaps even Shakespeare don't know so much about that, is the exuberant joy, the extraordinary joy that we kind of mark moments of our life with. And of course that's fleeting. Of course that's separate from the everyday, the children off to school. 
What I think the Buddha was pointing to in this quality was not that. That's why exuberance is the near enemy, but rather a deep state of contentment and well-being where there's a sense of enoughness. It's why we challenge ourselves with wishing others more joy, more abundance, so we can really uh, discover that place in ourselves that doesn't need more. I think that's the kind of joy the Buddha and this practice is looking to develop in us, encouraging us to develop, and why, even though it too, of course, is conditioned, it will come and go, but I think we can find more stable or everyday access to it in the everydayness of our lives. As uh, James's beautiful joy course points out over and over again, it's not that you attain more joy by changing the conditions of your life. You find joy in the conditions of your life by noticing the beautiful, the sublime, the pleasing, the pleasant, but even the simplest of things, even, even sometimes difficult things, if the mind and heart are truly open, just as we said about compassion, there can be a sense of joy in this quality that I'm talking about, this deep contentment, deep acceptance, where there's just a warmth in the heart, a willingness to engage, to be present. So this is the quality we're developing here and again, why exuberance is, is it's the near enemy, because it's, it's a very excitable quality. But it will naturally happen. Both of these, the near and far, the, the sense of exuberance, excitement, oh, this is great, I love this, why don't we do this all the time, this is the best practice ever. Or the mind, even as it's wishing well to someone dear that you love who's, who's going well, and the heart shrinks a little or tightens. Or I can remember I've done all these practices intensively for many, many days. And again, you discover the nuances when you do that. And someone I love and, and, and really care about, after a while it was, you have to have everything, you know, the relationship, the children, the home, the what, you know, the, the happy person, everything. You know, just that sense of limitation, even as I knew that I loved her. And to sit with that with kindness, that sense of the heart, just not being able to open that next place, that next step. It was humbling, but I learned so much from being willing to come back and acknowledge that was there, not push it away, you know, say I was bad or wrong for having it, but just a real tenderness to, to the sense of um, limitation and that willingness to breathe steady, and open again to this feeling of mudita, or well-wishing. So like all of the Brahmaviharas, an exploration not in rights and wrongs, good or bad, this is how it should be, but where are the edges, and can we lean in a little there with kindness, of just trusting the basic good nature that we're bringing to the practice, the basic goodness of intention, and finding a way back in, just like the river flows, the water flows downhill. Can we keep finding a way to come back to this sense of well-wishing? So again, the classic phrase for mudita is sort of complicated. Um, May your happiness, good good fortune continue. May it increase and never wane. It's kind of a mouthful, but that's the intention. 
you focus directly on what's going well for someone, what's, what's where they're really finding contentment and, and success and, and uh, establishment. Um, things are going smoothly for them. And again, you know, just like with the compassion practice, you'll see there might be areas also for this person where they struggle. But the training of the mind and heart is can we stay with this place, this area, this, this, these qualities in their life where there is this sense of well-being and success and, and joy. So that's the training as the other things might come up, staying present with where it's going well and the same with yourself and these other categories. So you can adapt that, just may your happiness continue or I'm happy that you're happy. May we, your well-being and good fortune never leave you some variation like that that we express of well-wishing to this person. So today we'll go again in the Brahma Viharas, in the other ones you start with a new category. Yesterday you started with the person who's doing well. Um, Today we're doing the benefactor and friend, so hopefully you'll be able to find in their experience some aspect that you know where things are smooth for them in their life. There's a sense of, of success, of, of being established of, um, in their home life, in their career, in their spiritual life, just in their being that there's a lightness of spirit. We aim towards that. We connect with that. We let that infuse us. And there's always a kind of mirroring that happens in this practice. We, we let that resonate within us, feel into it, and then celebrate it with them, this kind of circular movement. So if you you think it would be helpful, again, you have to trust yourself in this practice to bring in the person you worked with yesterday as your happy person, your successful person. You can, of course, do that. But I'll suggest going through these categories of benefactor, friend, and then we'll end with mudita for self. So again, that comfortable, relaxed posture. If you need to shift or move, that's fine. Sitting and breathing, just to simply establish a sense of presence. This warm attention that we've been cultivating over these weeks of practice. Checking in with the heart center, if that's a place you can rest your attention. Whether you formally do metta or not for yourself, just starting from this place of kindness, expressing that through the willingness to soften, to relax, to accept whatever the landscape of the heart is right now.
So we always start from this place of connectedness and come back any time it gets too complicated, you lose the thread, you lose the words or the meaning of the words, lose the connection to the other person. Just being willing to begin again with this sense of kind, soft presence to your own tender heart, however it is right now. And bringing into this warm space your benefactor, this person or being you've spent some time with already, really feeling into their nature, their essence, their good qualities. But again, for this practice, we particularly tune into what are the areas or aspects of their life where they experience joy, success, recognition, appreciation, where their creativity flowers. Perhaps it's in their relationships or their teaching, but they're doing work that they love or spending time with people they care about. Whatever it is, we tune into that aspect of their life, acknowledging that other things may also be true But the training is, can we rejoice with them in these places of joy? May your happiness and good fortune continue. May it increase and never wane. Or just may your happiness strengthen and deepen. Or I'm happy that you're happy. May it continue some expression of appreciation for their happiness, a wish for it to continue. Whatever it is you know makes them happy. Maybe it's being on retreat, being in silence, living a simple life. Maybe it's study and reading, creativity or sport, exercise, nature. Let your heart create for them what brings them most joy and then let that resonate within you in appreciation and well-wishing.
And now bringing in the dear friend, whoever you've been working with that you have this loving relationship with. Just focusing in now on the places where their life is really rich, fulfilling, successful, where they're happy, joyful, contented. Again, knowing that there may be challenges, things that are not so easy for them. We train the heart and mind to rejoice in what's going well for them. Where they're inspired, creative, loved. Whatever it is, whatever area of life that represents that. Bringing to mind images, memories, letting your own heart resonate with this wish for them that that happiness continues, deepens, grows. Noticing any movements of getting excited or telling stories, coming back to the simple well-wishing. Or if the heart contracts, limitation, Comparing, bringing tenderness to that and a willingness just to come back to this celebration of joy in your friend's life.
And lastly, if you wish, some mudita for the blessings in your life. Again, whatever phrase opens the heart to that appreciation. I'm grateful for the blessings in my life. May I be grateful for the blessings in my life. May the blessings in my life continue to bring me joy or contentment. Whatever words speak to this wish for the success, the good fortune, the blessings to continue and deepen in your own life. And can think of specific things or just a general sense of appreciation, opening to the blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.